It's so good to be here tonight, and it's good to have those who are joining us uh, by Zoom, and we look forward to hearing from someone that joins us by Sermon Audio. We're going to be in the book of Zechariah again tonight, and we're going to be in the book of Zechariah chapter 11, the Gospel according to Zechariah. And there is verse 8 that we'd like to look at tonight, but I'd like to read verses 7 and 8 as we look at this wonderful passage of Scripture that the Lord shares with us with regard to shepherds. And uh, in verse uh, 8, he's talking about cutting off some shepherds, and we'd like to look at that tonight. But in Zechariah chapter 11, verse 7, And I will feed the flock of slaughter, even you, O poor of the flock. And I took unto me two staves, the one called Beauty and the other one called Bands. And I fed the flock. Verse 8. Three shepherds also I cut off in one month, and my soul loathed them, and their soul also abhorred me. And then verse 9, Then said I, I will not feed you, that that dieth, let it die, and that that is to be cut off, let it be cut off, and let the rest eat every one the flesh of another. We'd like to spend some time on that 8th verse. Now, as we look at this 8th verse, we need to look at it not as literal shepherds. So often in the scriptures we find symbolism. And in this passage of Scripture, I believe that the Lord is sharing with us through the prophet Zechariah that there are three groups of people contained in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament that were to shepherd the flock of the Lord or to shepherd the people of the Lord. They were the prophets, the priests, and the kings. Now tonight we'd like to look at those three entities as they're found in the Old Testament and a few of them that we find fulfilled, all of them are fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He is the true prophet, he is the true priest, and he is the true king. But most of the Old Testament shepherds failed in their task. Even the best of them show us that they were nothing more than human. There is only one that can fulfill all of the requirements of a prophet, all the requirements of a priest, and all the requirements of a of a king from a spiritual standpoint, and that is our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. During the time of Israel as a kingdom, there were these three classes, and we find there were always rises and falls among these folks. So as we look at this subject tonight, join me, if you would, in the book of Matthew, chapter 7, for our first reading. Matthew, chapter 7. We'd like to look at the prophets We'd like to look at the priests, and we'd like to look at the kings. And a prophet is meant a, uh, to receive a message from, and use from our standpoint, a message from God. That's what a prophet was to do. And then communicate that message to the people. And generally speaking, we have 16 Old Testament prophet books. And that's Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, and then the ones that we're studying now, the minor prophets, 
but we have other prophets that were around at, the, at that time. But those 16 wrote to us the message of the Lord. They were to be the ones that communicated the message of the Lord. And that's very important when we study the Old Testament that they are communicating to us the message of the Lord. These folks did not exist on their own and they did not exist for their own glory. They existed for the glory of God. Now we find that the New Testament shares with us that they were holy men. Now that's like reading just Lot or justified Zacharias or other folks in the scripture that they were justified only God's people are truly holy. Without the holiness of God given to us, we have no holiness. So these men were called holy men of God. I'm going to take it to the bank that they were believers mm -hmm. in the Messiah, Christ Jesus, that God had given them the new birth, just like he gives it to his people today, that they were elect before the foundation of the world, and God carried out his his wonderful gospel to them. Someone brought him the message. Now, oftentimes we don't know who. That's not the, the important thing. It's what was brought to them and what was the results of what was brought to them and that was their life and their willingness. God gave them a will to serve him and we have those Old Testament prophets brought out. Now, there are prophets mentioned that sometimes not even by name. Sometimes they are mentioned throughout books of the Old Testament. But let us look over here in the book of Matthew chapter 17 as the Lord shares with us a great warning. Matthew chapter 17 and verse 15. Excuse me, Matthew chapter 7 verse 15. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 15. The Lord shared here that there is a great beware. Beware of false prophets. Now, a prophet is to deliver the message of God. A prophet is a representative to deliver the message of God. When we read the book of Zechariah, we're receiving the message that God gave to Zechariah. When we're reading Ezekiel, now it may be hard for us to understand. It may be hard for us to comprehend. We do know that it doesn't mean a lot of things that's being said about it. It has something to do with the person, work, and glory of our Savior, the Lord Jesus. So those men that wrote, wrote by inspiration. They wrote because the Holy Spirit moved them and they gave to us a message. Now the Lord shares with us here, beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. So a great difference between them and the prophets that we read about here in the Old Testament those 16 in particular, is that they were the sheep of God and we have these ravening wolves that have the interest of destroying the true message of grace. That's what they seek to destroy. The prophets of the Old Testament declared the true glory of God, of grace. Now, in the book of Nehemiah, would you join me in the book of Nehemiah? As we look at the Lord dealing with. He said, I will kill three prophets in a month. Now that passage of scripture uh, in a month is not necessarily a specific amount of time. It has the, the uh, context of looking over a period of time. Here in the book of Nehemiah chapter 6. Nehemiah chapter 6. And you know, it's, it's interesting how our Bible was put together because Nehemiah 
Ezra and Nehemiah were after the 70 years. And all of the other prophets are prior to them going into captivity. So here we have Ezra, Nehemiah, in Nehemiah chapter 6, and there in verse 10. Nehemiah chapter 6 and verse 10. Afterward I came into the house of Shemiah, the son of Deliah, Deliah, the son of Methabel, who was shut up, and he said, Let us meet together in the house of God within the temple, and let us shut the doors of the temple, for they will come to slay thee. Yea, in the night will they come to slay thee. And I said, Nehemiah said, Should such a man as I flee, who is there that being as I am would go into the temple to save his life? I will not go in. And lo, I perceived that God had sent, not sent him, but that he pronounced this prophecy against me for Tobias and Sambalat had hired him. We're going to find that that has much to do with the false prophets contained in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. They have been hirelings. And in the book of Deuteronomy, as we look at this, uh, with the regard to false prophets, and we're going to look at some with regard to, to the prophets of God. But in Deuteronomy chapter 13, Deuteronomy chapter 13, we have this message given to us. Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 13, and there in verses 1, 2, and 3. Deuteronomy 13. If there arise among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and giveth thee a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder come to pass. Deuteronomy 13, verses 1, 2, and 3. If the sign or the wonder come to pass, whereof he spake unto thee, saying... Now, the Lord mentions this in the New Testament, and, you know, I hear it all the time about people saying what miracle took place and what miracle took place and what was told me and what I saw... And I saw the Lord by the, the uh, clothesline, and he told me this and that. Well, here we have these people that pretend to create great miracles. And what, whatever it is, this is the key to it, though. They may be able to do things that are beyond our ability to do things. But he said here, this is the crux of the matter. Let us go after other gods. Now, if that's what the message is after the eye has been caught by some miracle, some grandiose thing, some grandiose speaker, some whatever, he says, let us go after other gods which thou hast not known and let us serve them. Thou shalt not hearken unto the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams for the Lord your God proveth you to know whether you love the Lord, your God, with all your heart and with all your soul. So if someone comes along with a great miracle, some, and they say, let's go, let's go over here and let's have a conversation on free will. Let's have a conversation on God intended to save everybody. I was looking at a, a book I have in there and and on the outside, he made provision for everybody. And on the back side of this fence, it says uh, e uh, election and predestination. I says, he's got it backwards. That should be on the front of the gate too. 
God never made provision for everybody. God never intended to save everybody. God has made a great statement about he's not going to save a bunch of people. So we're not going to go there. And people are going to come along and try to move us from our position. I was in a conversation the other day. It's it's interesting how things are moving along. And I said, you know, one thing about salvation, it caused me to quit looking at every wind of doctrine. It just stops. You just are settled on this one issue. Christ is the issue. And we're not attracted by all the nonsense that is coming along. Well, it's brought out in the book of Deuteronomy. Chapter 13. By Moses to the children of Israel. That God said, this is what I'm going to do. Now, if someone comes along and has great swelling words and then tell us to go off and worship some idol, stay away. Stay away. False prophets do not point towards Christ. They lead away to follow other gods. The Bible has much to say about false prophets. It has a lot to say about prophets. I know 16 of them that were men. You know, one of my favorite verses about John, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. There was a man. Now, Zechariah was a man. Haggai was a man. Jeremiah was a man. Ezekiel was a man. These are all men. And they have failures. And they will admit failures. They will be like those men that we've heard about recently, uh, particularly as we think about uh, Paul. Oh, wretched man that I am. They were failures in themselves. Their only success was in Christ. Their only glory was in Christ. The only one that they could could say that represented them well was Christ. They, we can't represent ourselves well, but Christ represents us very well as the true prophet. Well, once again, let's look here in the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah the prophet, he was a man sent from God. He was a man sent from God. His name was Jeremiah. So let's look here in the book of Jeremiah. The prophets of God declared the gospel. Prophets of God declared Christ. The prophets of God were not popular. The prophets of God were often thrown out, thrown in dungeons, ill-treated, maltreated in all kinds of ways. But they stood firm on the grace of God. It is the grace of God. It is the blood of the Messiah. I've been one. They didn't know his name was Jesus, but they did know the Messiah. His name was Jesus given in the New Testament. Now, I can't find that name in the Old Testament, but I do find Messiah. I do find Jehovah. I do find those good names that apply to our Savior when he came. All right, here in the book of Jeremiah chapter 14. Jeremiah chapter 14. And there in verse 14. Then the Lord said unto me, The prophets prophesy lies. Now this was so prominent during the time. It's no wonder the Lord said, I'm going to kill a bunch of shepherds because they're prophesying lies. Now, the Lord never sent someone after Jeremiah to kill him, but he did send others. A whole host in the day of a great prophet said, 
get all the prophets of Baal over here and all the priests of Baal over here. Well, the end of the story is he went and slew them. Now, there's only one way that we can slay false prophets today, and that is with the gospel. They'll either be turned or they'll be burned, but that's it. God will turn them. All right, here, the Lord said unto me, the prophets prophesy lies in my name. I sent them not, neither have I commanded them, neither spake unto them. They prophesy unto you a false vision and divination and a thing of naught and deceit of their, of their heart. So this is their message. It is not the message of grace. It's not the message of Christ. It's not the message of election before the foundation of the world. It is not the message of God as a people that he chose and wrote down in Lamb's Book of Life before the foundation of the world. Their message was usually based upon heredity. Are you related to Abraham? Well, the church is related to Abraham by faith, but it's not. They are not all Israelites who are of Israel. So there was no message there that Jeremiah was declaring that way. He, he understood, Isaiah understood, there was going to be some Gentiles coming in. You know, the church has always understood that, that it was not just a peculiar people, particular people called Hebrews, but it was a church out of every nation, kindred, people, and tongue. Now, Peter brings the same subject up over in the book of 2 Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2. Turn there with me if you would. 2 Peter chapter 2. Peter brings this up and says, in 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 1, and he brings us to the Old Testament and then brings it forward. But there were false prophets also among the people even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privately shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. What did the Lord share through Zechariah and Zechariah chapter 11 and verse 8? I'm going to kill some shepherds. I'm going to kill three shepherds. And he's been in the business of doing that. Now, he's going to bring judgment upon them in the day of judgment. But there were others, those prophets of Baal, they met the Lord quicker than they thought they would. That prophet went out and slew them. And you know, they had to be held still. God held them still while he slew them. Now, he does that spiritually. I was a false prophet. I was a liar about God. And he slew me spiritually. He put me, he put me in the dung heap so they could raise me up. So the Lord is about that even today. All right, and in First John, book of First John, chapter four, verse one. In First John, chapter four, <coughs> verse one. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God. Now, what is a spirit of God going to share? Christ, the message of Christ, the hope of Christ, the mercy of Christ. Going to share with us the gospel and not going to add anything to it. Uh, I was really touched. I mentioned that Sunday the other day about people who say that they, this person mixes law and grace. That is an absolute impossibility. 
you, if you add any law, it is not any grace at all. So there is no mixture. It's law or grace, works or grace. And that's what we have. These prophets were adding works, works, works. All right. So the prophets that we have, we know them as down through the ages. There were those 16 identified. Some of them wrote a very short book, Obadiah. Jeremiah and Isaiah wrote very long letters, but they were all in agreement when it came to the subject of every one of those. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Now that's the hope of the church. God with us would lay down his life a ransom for us. All right, let's look at the next group that was supposed to be shepherds. And that was the priests. The priests were to be shepherds. Now we have really two mentioned in scriptures a lot. One of them is Melchizedek. Now there's more mentioned in the New Testament about Melchizedek in the book of Hebrews than there is mentioned in the book of Genesis. But the other one was one put in place by God, and his name was Aaron. Now there's much said in the book of Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy about Aaron. And he's even brought over into the New Testament in the book of, of Hebrews again. That he, the Lord does not have a lineage after Aaron. He's not of the Aaronic priesthood. Aaron had great deal of faults. He was a human being. And one of the things that we find out about um, uh, the priesthood, they, they were to represent pertaining the things of God. And turn over there with me to the book of Leviticus, would you, for just a moment. Here we have a priest, or two priests, and it tells us that they brought something else besides the gospel. That's all we can boil it down to. Leviticus chapter 10, verses 1 and 2. These are Aaron's sons. Nancy and I were given a compliment the other day, even in our ignorance, even in my ignorance as a preacher, we did something to our children that most preachers in my position would have not done, and that is we left them alone. <laughs> we didn't try to get a profession out of them. Now, most preachers want to get a profession out of their kids by the age four because they're the winnable ones. <laughs> And then they have to deal with all the nonsense the rest of their lives about them. One of our children said we th they thanked us for not trying to wiggle a profession out of them. Well, I was ignorant, and I was in homemade religion, man-made religion, but that wasn't part of it. And I'm thankful, because I've been around others that really tried to get it done. Well, here in the book of Leviticus chapter 10... These two boys, young men, were ordained to the Levitical priesthood because they were Aaron's sons. Aaron had four sons, and all of them were ordained to the Levitical priesthood. Now, that's an, a great error when it comes to a priesthood, and that is that it's heretical. <laughs> you inherit it. 
but it also is heretical. Because <laughs> these two guys didn't know the first thing about the gospel. It tells us here in Leviticus chapter 10, And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them a censer and put fire therein and put incense therein and offered. Now this is the strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. So they're doing two errors. The Lord commanded them not, and they went and offered it anyway. And there went out fire from the Lord. The Lord slew his shepherds, three of them, in a month. Now here's two right at the same moment. Now when we were going through the book of Leviticus, I found out that those clothes that they were wearing was not consumed. It was their bodies that were consumed. Hmm. They went out fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. Then Moses said unto Aaron, This is that the Lord spake, saying, I will be sanctified in them that come nigh me before all people. I will be glorified, and Aaron held his peace. You know what? Aaron wasn't even permitted to mourn over the passing of his sons. But here we have, they offered strange fire. Every Sunday, I wonder how much strange fire is being offered in the world today. Strange fire, stuff that's not in the book. Or one verse of scripture removed from a whole context presented as the truth. So these priests were, were really rascals. All right, turn with me again to the book of Jeremiah. The Lord said, I'm going to slay three shepherds. We have the prophets, we have the priests, and we have the kings. And they were men, and mo many of them, maybe most of them, were beyond men, lower <laughs> the attitude that they had towards God. All right, here in the book of uh, Jeremiah chapter 14 again. Jeremiah chapter 14, and there in verse 14. Then the Lord spake unto me, the prophets, oh, what did I do? Let me, Jeremiah chapter 5, excuse me. Jeremiah chapter 5. Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 30. <clears throat> A wonderful and horrible thing is committed in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests bear rule by their means, and my people love to have it so. And what will ye do in the end thereof? I will kill three shepherds in a month. Now he's going to come out against them. He's going to judge them. In the book of Judges, chapter 17. Turn with me to the book of Judges, chapter 17. During the book of, or time of the Judges, we find that Israel was given every opportunity, if it were possible. Just like after, at the end of the flood, people say, if we could just get everybody in a fine house, and everybody with a car, and everybody with a check, and everybody, things would go better ever an opportunity in the world that things could have got better. It was after the flood when there were eight people and all the same family members. 
It should have been better. They should have known better. They should have known why the flood was caused to begin with. And yet it did not change because you it didn't change the hearts of people. The offspring of those folks were just like offspring of my dad. Well, here in the book of Judges, we have a period of time when the people did not have a king. They had God's judges. And they would go along, and it looks like they would have an opportunity to straighten things up if it ever could happen. But it didn't. And they would go off and fall after other gods and follow after other prophets. And here in the book of Judges chapter 17, verse 5, the scripture shares this. And the man Micah had a house of gods, made an ephod and a teraphim, and consecrated one of his sons who became his priest. In those days there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And there was a young man out of Bethlehem, Judah, of the family of Judah, who was a Levite, and he sojourned there. And the man departed out of the city of Bethlehem, Judah, to sojourn where he could find a place. And he came to Mount Ephraim, to the house of Micah, as he journeyed. And Micah said unto him, Whence comest thou? And he said unto unto him, I am a Levite of Bethlehem, Judah, and I go to sojourn where I may find a place. And Micah said unto him, Dwell with me, and be unto me a father and a priest, and I will give you ten shekels of silver by the year and a suit of apparel and food. So the Levite went in. What a sad commentary on this priest. We find that throughout the scriptures. There were those priests that a priest was a representative from God to man. And the best that that Aaron could do still fell far short. As that man was carrying that blood into the Holy of Holies on the Day of Atonement, he committed a thousand times more sin than was necessary for him to be sent to an eternal hell if it was left to him. He was a sinner by nature. He was a sinner by birth. He was a sinner by practice. And yet he had all of that fine covering and oil put on him and consecrated by God and yet left to himself on the most religious day of his life, he was a sinner before God. And his only hope could be in a God that saves sinners. Kings. When we go to the kings, we find that Saul was the first king. And you know, it's terrible to read about that when Samuel came and said, what means the bleeding of the sheep and the bleeding of the cows? What are... What's going on here? Because he was ordered to kill every one of that, every child, every woman, every man, every beast, everything. And he has the audacity to say that I save these for sacrifice. Well, the prophet Samuel says, 
you've checked yourself off from being king. And he went and anointed David king. Now, he didn't anoint who he thought he would, because when he got down there, there's a big, tall, strapping young man who looked like a king should look. And he went through that whole group of boys, and finally he said, is there someone else here? And he said, yeah, David's out there watching the father's sheep. He said, bring him in here. So he didn't look like a king. He didn't act like a king. But God made him king. And God said, he's a man after my own heart. And we followed David's life, and he disappoints us. Just like we disappoint people. We're human beings. David has a place in glory because of God's act on him and not because of David's act. He didn't have David's faith. He had God's faith. He didn't have David's salvation. He had God's salvation. He didn't have David's name written down. He had his name written in glory before the foundation of the world. So we follow this out. And I I copy this. And some of you can recognize where this came from. This came from... came from the Thompson Chain Reference Bible. Now this is one man's idea. This is one man's graphic of Judah. This is the tribes of Judah. If you notice here, we have Saul, then David, and then we have Solomon, and then we have Rehoboam. Now that's Solomon's son. Now you can just follow that. Now I cut off a bunch of the explanation down here because I didn't agree with it. (laughs) But we can look here at the (laughs) I don't know anyway we can look at this graphic and see that even at the best there was not much there and it goes downhill raises a little downhill 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 and then we have the Babylonian captivity the evil kings and God got after them and God sold them The only reason he preserved these two tribes in Babylonian captivity is in the the tribe of Judah in the loins of a man was the seed of the Messiah. And that's the only reason that any of those folks got out of Babylonian captivity because the ten tribes, they, they got ushered out, inbred, taken away, don't hear much about them. But the tribe of Judah needed to be preserved. Now turn with me, if you would, to the book of Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12. Now this is a New Testament king. And this king was shut up, shut down very quickly. He was King Herod. Remember what happened to King Herod? Hmm. Acts chapter 12, verse 21. And upon a set day, Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, sat upon his throne and made an oration unto them, and the people gave a shout. You know, this is a God. They didn't know anything either. Saying, it is the voice of a God and not of a man. And immediately the angel of the Lord 
smote him because he gave not God the glory and he was eaten with worms and gave up the ghost. Now that is a pretty straightforward dealing with one of the shepherds, King Herod. God dealt with the shepherds in the Old Testament, the prophets, the priests, and the kings. Now we're thankful as we come to the New Testament, as we come to the New Testament, that it is declared throughout the Old Testament that there is a true prophet coming, a true priest coming, and a true king coming. Not this King David or Solomon or Rehoboam, but the true prophet. Not, the, not a priest like Aaron, but a priest after the order of Melchizedek. And not a king like these kings, but a king of kings and lord of lords. In the Lord Jesus Christ. So turn with me, if you would, to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 18. Now, Moses speaks about this prophet coming in the book of Deuteronomy. And it's picked up several times in the New Testament. But in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 18. Now, Moses is a, has had some trouble with the people. Have you noticed that? <laughs> Moses has said some things and the people didn't follow him. And Moses said some things and they got really upset with him. And Moses, was his life was threatened. I don't know how many times between they left the Red Sea and entering into the Promised Land. He had been threatened. They wanted to take his life. They wanted to turn around and go back. And here in the middle of all that, in the book of Deuteronomy 18, verse 15, the scriptures share this. The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren, like unto me, unto him ye shall hearken. Now you don't pay much attention to me. What did the Lord tell Isaiah? They're not going to hear you. He could have said that to Moses too. They're not going to pay any attention to you. But this Moses knew something about the Messiah and the Holy Spirit gave him this message that there's going to be a prophet coming. Him you will hear. Now a whole bunch of people don't pay any attention. That's just normal. But he does cause some people to pay attention. And they turn aside to see this great sight. He turns them and they shall be turned. He gives them a will. His will. Well, the New Testament picks this up and twice in the book of the Acts, would you turn that? Well, before we get there, John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Now, there was a person in the New Testament times that was quizzed about whether he was this prophet or not. John chapter 1. John chapter 1, verse 19. He is quizzed over this, and he given every opportunity to be popular. <laughs> and he doesn't. He says, no, I'm not him. I'm not him. All right, here in the book of John, chapter 1, verse 19, and this is the record of John, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who art thou? We want to know. The guys back in Jerusalem want to know who you were. And he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Art thou Elias? And he said unto them, I am not. Well, Elias was promised to come before the Christ. He said, I'm not. Art thou the prophet? And he answered, no. 
Are you that prophet that Moses wrote about in the law? No. Then said they unto him, Who art thou that we may give answer to them that sent us? What sayest thou of thyself? And he said, I am a voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Isaiah. I am just a voice in the wilderness. Are you that prophet? Are you the Christ? Are you the Messiah? And he turned it all down because he wasn't and he knew it. All right, two verses in the book of Acts and we'll close and we'll pick this up, Lord willing, next time. Acts chapter 3, verse 22. Acts chapter 3, verse 22 and 23. And most, for Moses truly said unto the fathers, a prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren like unto me, him shall ye hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. And it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. Now that's an important. This prophet's important. You may not pay attention to Isaiah or Jeremiah, but you know what? If they'll not hear Moses and the prophets, they'll not believe the one rose from the dead. Now, we have here one other verse, and that is in Acts chapter 7, and you remember that's Stephen speaking. He's, from a historical standpoint, preaching Christ all the way through the Old Testament. And in the book of Acts chapter 7, verse 37, this is that Moses which said unto the children of Israel, a prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren, like unto me, him ye shall hear. This is he that was in the church in the wilderness with the angel which spake unto him in Mount Sinai and with your fathers and received the lively oracles to give unto us. Here is that prophet, one more time, brought up. Now we do have a prophet, a representative from God to speak for us. His name is Christ, Jesus the Lord. Now he's also the priest, and we'll look at that next time. There's much said in the book of Hebrews about him being our priest, and he's our king. So he is the true prophet, he's the true priest, and he's the true king. But all of those nonsense guys, prophets, priests, and kings, he says, I will kill in a month. I will kill three shepherds in a month. I'll take care of the false prophets, I'll take care of the false priests, and I'll take care of the false kings. But this one... I will cause to stand for eternity, the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, Lord willing, we'll pick this verse up next Wednesday and uh, finish it out about Christ being our priest and Christ being our king. Him ye shall hear.